Howdy. Hope everyone's having a great day and even better week. And welcome back to the Jag of All Trades. Our guest this week is Akash Wandava, the co-founder at Smart MS3. Now, Smart MS3 is an early stage healthcare company that looks to optimize the physical therapy industry. Now this week with that, we talk about his journey behind Smart MS3, areas of starting a healthcare company, especially as a college student, and answering some common myths about New Jersey. Hope y'all enjoy. Gosh, how are you doing today, my man? Doing great. Nice to be here. Absolutely. How's the day been so far? Uh, already had some meetings set up and got some stuff going in and, you know, everything's rolling into that. Good start of the day, I'd say. Glad to hear that. So would you mind maybe like giving a little brief introduction to yourself and what you're working on with Smart MS3? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm a student at Rutgers University studying molecular bio and biochem and a minor in entrepreneurship right now. And pretty much I come from a background of, you know, a lot of research. So ever since high school, I did a bunch of projects with professors just working on different molecular pathways, working on different, you know, uh, microbiomes, just a wide variety in the scientific field, just to get, you know, my hand into everything, if you know what I mean. I was just curious about what's going on in the world of science research and just want to expand and do much as possible. And from there, I think one summer internship, I got really into this one project with Parkinson's disease patients. And that led me and a small team of students really to start building this device that can, you know, monitor Parkinson's disease and just see that how can we monitor it, not maybe cure it, but just improve the quality of life for patients there. And ultimately our, you know, our team built it and we got a good device running. But unfortunately as students, we don't really know understand the market size. We're all really interested in the scientific process of it. And that kind of segued us and pivoted us into creating Smart MS3, where we're using really similar technology but now we're using it in the sense of physical therapy now. And a lot of patients, what we've seen is that they go to PT, they get their injury, they get their diagnosis, do the recovery process. But after a couple of cycles doing this over and over again, there's a really big lack of motivation that erupts from there. And a lot of patients, I think over 110 million in the US, they typically just leave way too early, early through the physical therapy process. And they leave the process, they get re-injured, go, say, go back. And it's just this huge cycle where no one's really getting better. Clinics are, you know, they're running out of, they don't have enough, you know, revenue, runway and all that stuff. And patients are ultimately unhappy. They're not getting something. And right now it's more than we're really trying to fix that in the sense that we're providing this objective pathway and looking at recovery and using it as a source of, you know, a pathway of treatment now. So it's not like you're going into PT as like um, a blind, like with a blindfold that is clearing everything up, telling you what's going to look like and provides the data that, you know, I think really lacked in the physical therapy industry that we're trying to really bring it now. Like when we were starting Smart MS3, like you said you worked with different students across uh, different, univer- different students for research. Were these students from different universities? Were all Rutgers students? Yeah, so it's a, I think a good mix. So me and my co-founder, we're from different universities, actually. He's in Nova Southeastern. He's also a, uh, one of the seven-year med students, honestly. So we're both like from the same background. Uh, we got our engineer from University of Michigan, and we got a couple advisors from Stanford. So a good mix of 
a lot of colleges put into one good trade team. That's awesome there. So how do you guys balance out with meetings? Like, do you have, uh, you set up meetings in East Coast time, Central time, mm-hmm. Pacific time? Luckily, everyone, all of us are located East Coast, whether it's like in Michigan or Florida. So time zones are, you know, somewhat, you know, they're equal, so we're all fine with that. I think it's the harder aspects actually getting you time to meet up. That's, that's what we're really trying to do, forcing everyone to come into one place, you know, just have dinner, not talk about the company, just, you know, get to know each other on a more, like, you know, friendly basis on that extent. But luckily, time zones haven't been too much of an issue, but we're holding on there, I'd say. Well, I said that. I forgot. Ann Arbor is an East Coast time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what happens when you don't have a cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, too, like when you were starting MS3 as well, like what were some initial challenges that you faced and helping like start prototype your product? I think the initial challenge of just getting in the health tech field or health field in general is that when you're a student, health really involves a lot of like, you know, prior education, prior background that you need. And if you don't have that, no one's really going to take you seriously or anything, especially coming from a student, you're technically learning and building at the same time. And the investors or, you know, people you want to sell to, they're not going to take you seriously because you don't have that, you know, an MD behind your name or, you know, DPT or anything, a PhD or something. And it was difficult just, you know, dealing with some people that, you know, even if you did the prior research, you had publications out there, that student stigma, that's what killed off a lot of our, you know, potential clients or investors in the beginning. But I think the best, best way to just get past that was, it was a little bit of a numbers game, getting some advisors on board. But once you find that right person that just, you know, is willing to back you up, you told them your story and they're really resonating with it. If you get them on your advisory board, that makes such a big difference. Getting that, you know, background experience, you might be doing all the work, but having someone as a name or credibility in the field, it really pushes your team to a different extent. So people take you a little bit more seriously, knowing that you're really in it for like, you know, benefit of not only yourself or like, you know, putting something on your resume, but you actually want to make a difference in the world now. So what certain company in like the medical business, like why did you choose that knowing that you have these barriers of entry and also all these conflicts potentially? Yeah. So as a starting this company, I don't think it was the easiest thing for a college student to do, especially with, you know, if you can even build an app or something, I think that might've been a better pathway for me to go down, but from actually a deep personal connection for myself. So my grandmother, she suffered from a stroke and having to see her in a state of agony, pain, and just recovering from that extent, that's kind of like the big, you know, thing that's kind of pushing me forward, I'd say. I mean, like, there's a lot of hard stuff that comes along the way, but knowing I can help so many people's, like, you know, quality of life change with the device we're building right now, I think that's the real motivating factor here. And that's just kind of saying that if I build this someday, People like this, people like, you know, my grandmother, they won't have to really suffer as much, especially if something can guide them to recovery in a better, better way, or even prevent it in the first place. The personal story with that different, like different aspect to it. Like for me, I can tell I went through uh, physical therapy, like I just injured my ankle once, uh, went through it a couple times. And then literally like a few months later, it came back and it just was not fun at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the process itself, I think it's, it's terrible for a lot of people. It's outdated to a certain extent, too. Like, you see everything evolving around us. I think finance and health, they're decades still behind, and still so much innovation needs to happen there. I think one of the better companies now, it's, uh, they're called Luna, Luna Health. They're the ones that are actually innovating in the sense that you don't even have to go to a clinic anymore. They're a market-based 
physical therapy people. So they come to your house, do your exercises at home and try getting better from there. But still they lack the data to really do it. And that's the real, I think, key thing that is missing in PT. So you went from sort of a Parkinson's then to PT. Like what was caused that shift? And like, what was the whole process with that? Yeah. So we, our team was really, you know, medical device oriented. We were thinking like, you know, getting clinical studies and all this stuff in all, all that process. But the second we built and proved the device and decided to go to like the market and essentially talk to neurologists and ask them for their advice, we got hit with a very strong no the second we went to like a couple of them. And the main reason behind that is the device was meant to track micro tremors of, a PT, of Parkinson's disease patients. And it would pretty much say that, you know, you're, we've detected some tiny tremors occurring now, take your medication and you won't experience a big tremor later on. So it proved, we proved that concept fairly easily. But when it came to actually selling it to neurologists, they were more worried about the other extents, the core morbidities that might come with the device itself. And they were saying that patients can wear this and help in this extent of their life. But we see a bunch of them already have anxiety or depression. So it might help in one extent, but it'll you know, cause either more distress in another aspect of their life. So essentially, we're fixing one thing, ruining another. It just it didn't make sense for our own mission, what we want to do. And we could give it to a Parkinson's disease patient hoping it work, but the negative outcomes comes with it are just as bad. So it just didn't make sense. Yeah, I think it's great to at least have like balancing off the trade-offs there. Like mm-hmm. obviously, uh, especially in the medical industry, like there's always that uh, careful sense that like if something one thing aspect of life improves, something else may also disappear. Like saying equilibrium theory, and it's just uh, it definitely is a very adventure when it comes for entrepreneurs. So, mm-hmm. I mean, kudos out to you for deciding, knowing, and experiencing that before making the pivot there. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it was necessary for us to really get hit with it first and just pivot fairly fast from there, I'd say. And then what was like the support and the resource that you had? Because obviously the medical and medical startups are very uh, expensive and capital intensive as well. Yeah, I'd say it's a bunch of grant writings and a lot of my advisory board. So they, I was new to this. I didn't really know like, you know, how to do grant writing, how to do much of it. I was more of, you know, in the lab hustling in that aspect. But getting a hand of people that already knew the grant industry better and just the connections in the medical industry, that kind of just, it opened up a lot of opportunity, I'd say. It didn't really give me anything, but it let me get out there in such a great extent that eventually, like, you know, at one point, an opportunity just was really good and opened up and got me some funding. And that, I think one of the better ones was the iCorps one. They provide all, I think it's, you have to do a hardware device in some sort, some way. It, it doesn't have to be a medical device, but some hardware device. And what they essentially did is, you know, they give us $2,500, which is for like, you know, customer discovery aspect of it. And later on, they're pushing us forward to do a national iCarp, which is $50,000 to do more customer discovery, uh, piloting, all that fun stuff. So it's a, you know, big break of like, you know, you get that, you, you, you talk to tons of people. And then once you get that one, yes, everything just starts falling into place from there. Looking back on when you're starting out with Smart MS3, what, what would you think would be the most important things for finding a team that is helpful to start launch the company and then scale it? Yeah, when it comes to building a team, there's certain criteria I'd say you really have to look into. So first is getting an awesome co-founder, like best of the best. You guys got to match vision, like, you know, long-term thinking, current thinking, everything has to be somewhat equal. 
And once you got there, I think that's half the challenge itself. Because just from the initial team we built from the Parkinson's disease one, there's plenty of stories I can tell you later on. But if there's, disagree there's disagreements, all this stuff happening, it wouldn't work. And eventually, when you find that certain co-founder that thinks on you, thinks on the same level as you, I think that's the first step that really, uh, you know, takes you guys to the next step. Other stuff is just complementing, you know, uh, soft skills and hard skills. For me and my co-founder specifically, I think it was a good match because he's very, very technically savvy. He does a lot of medical stuff, but he comes in with the background of, you know, coding, uh, building, and all this engineering aspect, while I come in more of the operationals, marketing, and that es essence. So we really mesh together in that aspect. And when it came to building the team beyond that, the mistake we made earlier on is that we hired just to get the hire, like get, get an employee in to do a certain task. We weren't really thinking long-term. So if we had like, you know, a problem on like the electrical engineering end, we might've just brought an intern in to do the fix a problem and kind of leave from there. But unfortunately that's not really how it works well in long-term solutions. So it tells us that you really have to find a certain person, no matter where they are, that really lives with the problem itself in the early stage of a company. And if you can't find that person, there's no point of hiring the per an, an person in general, especially if they might have some experience to do it. The thing that we notice is that they might be one or two steps ahead of us, but once we're caught up with them, it's the same problem all over again. So when you're really looking for an employee, find the person that lives that problem or is so passionate about it that they have to join it. And especially if they're going to join a startup equity and you know low pay, it really shows their commitment to the cause, what you're fighting for. And it pushes the whole agenda that, you know, not agenda, I'd say more of a company culture that you want to keep. So nothing bad happens earlier on. You want to keep everyone, you know, same idea, same ideology flowing through everyone. And it keeps the momentum just kind of going from there, I'd say. So when finding a founder, what are some things that you may use, like pitch to people joining your team and like things that may add value to help them bring, help bring top talent to uh, the smart MS3 team? Mm -hmm. uh, for our aspect, we really, our, our interview process, I think takes longer than it really should, but it really helps us going through some like, you know, coffee chat stages, like, you know, technical stages, all this different things coming up. And what we're doing is, it's, it's just talking to them, getting to know them personally, first of all, because they can't match us in their core values what we're, no matter what their skill set is, no matter how smart they are, where they come from, it just wouldn't work out. And we, we understand that we made the mistake once before and we really aren't trying to replicate that. And people that do try finding, you know, they're trying to recruit higher talent or top talent in that aspect, I think is just not a lot in the school, a lot in the school, like upper schools, a lot in your own community. and you'd be surprised where you can find top talent for what you're looking for. Because sometimes it's not from like, you know, the Ivies, Stanford, all those schools. It can be someone from community college working on this project day in, day out, but they're so passionate and, you know, uh, gritty, curious about this, that they're probably the better hire than, you know, someone from a top educational school. So it's, it's important to just take your time when you're interviewing. You need to treat this as something that a long-term investment for yourself. And especially if you just look at their resume, you kind of just say that for them from the top school, they have the proper engineering background. It doesn't always play out well, I'd say. So it sounds like you don't need people to be ex-Google, ex-McKinsey on the resume. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great to see that they have that sort of experience, but if they don't match up with what we're trying to build, it doesn't really help out with the company culture. And I think that's what matters the most. If people can't, you know, 
work together, they're not going to work at all, right? Absolutely. And then last kind of serious question I do have is like, what are some misconceptions about starting a business in the healthcare industry? Uh, one thing I'd say is typically people think you have to start at a really older, like older age after you get like, you know, proper education. But I think that is false. If you have enough grit and, you know, passion bound behind the project, there's literally nothing that can stop you. I have, you know, I started this in high school and I've been, I've been happy to, you know, get in touch with plenty of doctors, plenty of physicians that work in the same space that want to support me as I grow. So I might not have like, you know, that credentials behind it yet, but the knowledge I'm learning from all these other people in the field right now, I think that's what's kind of like, you know, being able to push me forward and get into these places that most students can't in the health field. And the other thing is that you don't really need to know everything about business side either. A lot of it I've learned is I'm learning the same much as business school folks, like, you know, the finance marketing segments, but the only thing I'm doing different is that I'm experiencing in real life. So if I do like, you know, screw up something, I think that's the best learning lesson I can get rather than getting a grade in school. So just go, I think if you're going to health tech and you want to do something there, go out there, find a good co-founder and really strengthen up your advisory board to get, you know, get that credentials behind your name. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is uh, really helpful advice there. And like, I remember for me, I did, uh, like when I did some like early stage companies starting up at the same case, like I was, I'm an engineering by background and I'm in like business classes, but I hundred percent know like the feeling what it is like when your financials, something goes wrong, or let's say like revenues, pretty bad or projected revenue is pretty bad like you're in the moment facing it it's not as much like oh it's a theoretical book in a textbook like nah you know you know how that feels yeah no definitely it's it gives you a different sort of rush i'd say <laughs> sure thing so i'm going to transition this a little bit i mean we had a really technical conversation and i know a lot of our listeners who are interested in the medical the healthcare field are going to really be intrigued by this but i think we there's some questions I might want to ask that you may not be able to usually hear on other interviews. So prepare yourself for this. <laughs> I'm ready. So you're clearly from uh, the great state of New Jersey. We had Rahul Rana on here who was also from Jersey and uh, he gave uh, his insights on like why New Jersey. I want you to say what are your top three things about the state of New Jersey? For sure. So first of all, I think it's just access to everything. And I want to mean everything, I literally mean everything's surrounding you. So New Jersey really gets underrated in the sense that we don't have like big city within the state, but we have so much access to like, you know, New York City, Philadelphia, Washington, DC, Boston. It's just so accessible. So if you need to go somewhere, it's like probably like an hour, hour to two drive to get there and everything's just right next to you. So that's, I think the most convenient thing about New Jersey right now. Other stuff from my aspect is it's really healthcare focused. It's really healthcare hub that and Boston. So it's helping me in the sense in advancing in such a quicker, quick pace. Like if I was in San Francisco, for instance, I don't think I'd be in the same state I am right now. I'd probably be a little behind or might not even get to the state, at, honestly. So it really helps advancing in that aspect. There's a lot of people willing to you know, take risk on the healthcare side, especially of the proper background and everything's kind of set to go from there. And the last one, I'd say it's very, very diverse. I think that's really, you know, not a lot of people see that, say that about New Jersey, but so many people from different backgrounds live here. 
and being able to understand mingle and just getting to know them i think that taught me a lot about the rest of the world that i wouldn't get living in other parts of america right now so i think that's my top three all right that's fair enough that's fair enough I know all we joked around that New Jersey is technically called the commuter state because <laughs> this is the, the halfway point of New Jersey is the uh-huh. kinds where you're, if you're commuting either to Philadelphia or New York. Mm-hmm. That is honestly very true. I'm, I'm directly center Jersey, so everything's equally distant from me. So oh, I understand that definitely. All right. And then kind of some topic too. Which city do you think is uh, more underrated or which city would you, if you had a day to go to visit a city, what would you do? Would you visit New York or would you go to Philadelphia? Personally, I'd visit New York. I feel like every time I visit there, something new always happens. And it's whether it's good or bad, something new will happen and you'll experience something different. There's a different vibe that it kind of comes out of there. It's like everyone's hustling, everyone's grinding and it gives a good it robs me like you know i should do something new today I should get something done today and it's just that you know like an internal i don't know what to call it the internal flow of the city that really impacts everyone that goes in and out okay makes sense i think i uh, i've haven't been to philadelphia that much but i can mm-hmm. feel it in new york like when mm-hmm. i was last there I was like, wow, it's a Friday evening and people are still hustling in the office. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I need to get back and get my laptop up and do stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. So transitioning a little bit more to a hypothetical question. Mm -hmm. If you could bring any single person on the board of Smart MS3, who would it be and why? Like any, like, do they have to be like an individual that's like living right now or just like a hypothetical person? uh individual living right now or like they could be like you could also say like uh like albert einstein who in the past Uh you could say something like that but Mm -hmm. i don't know how much value that add to you yeah i'd say like suppose or is it okay if they're working another job like i can just randomly recruit him i mean yeah randomly recruit him um just say your ideal candidate or ideal person if you have one in mind yeah so i think the one person I, I'm like off the top of my head, I'm thinking of one of the co-founders of Whoop. Do you know what that company is? I've heard of it. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So I got the chance to meet one of them, I think a couple of years ago when they're starting up and it was just great. The way that, I mean, like their vision and everything, the way they're looking at the future of, you know, wearable tech, especially in the fitness field, it just brought a different sense and it, kind of guided me in some of my own decisions I've been making at Sport MS3. So getting them on board, their first of all, their ability to just do the technical hustle, grind, get stuff done. It's just, I think that's just unfathomable. I haven't really seen that much out of other people besides, you know, the bigger, best, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos and, you know, Musk. But that I think is one of the better, can, I think that's one of the better people I can bring onto my, you know, board and just help them, you know, take this, not take decisions mainly, but, you know, get stuff done. I think that's a really good asset for us. Great to hear that. Mm -hmm. And then if you could uh, change one bureaucratic process within the healthcare industry or within Mm -hmm. the economy itself, what would it be? I'd say convert, like take change is a better thing than better rather than worse. Change. I mean, there's so many regulatory hurdles that you have to get past in the health field that folks just like, up once they see what they have to get through and i think the regulatory process is there for a good thing 
it helps you like once you get through it it you know establishes a uh type of team you are the resilience nature everything there but it's more of adapting from the healthcare side so once the teams do get through all the stuff there's not enough adaptation coming from hospitals clinics all this stuff and if we can force that or like you know put a little bit more uh benefits of adapting quicker that might be able to advance so much of the technology we have right now and get stuff you know innovation so much quicker in healthcare even with the regulatory hurdles in place is so i think yeah and one good example would be like the vaccine right now typically it takes like you know a couple years to make that like 6 to 7 and i've had friends that you know go through their go through the process of you know first making the vaccine getting it through some stage 1 2 3 clinical trials then waiting another couple of years for the fda to approve it um and now we're producing this in like you know 6 7 months it still wasn't technically approved by the fda but it got the emergency authorization which is clearly enough to like you know put it out there so why can't plenty of other devices do this at this point absolutely and i mean i don't think there's been any testing confirmed of getting 5g from the vaccine so yeah <laughs> of course just want to put that out there so obviously being from jersey being uh, indian actually you definitely have these uh, moments like uh, a lot of other uh, brown kids across the country and i want to curious like what has been your favorite childhood let's say brown moment or story i'd say the best one like this one probably a little weird but i was in third grade and i think my mom forced me into the spelling bee which is you know very typical at that age and i got to say i could not spell even my life depended on it but the lesson of just you know getting up on that stage having the i remember everything i had like a huge like you know the belt around my no it was, it was like the sign around my neck saying that i'm like contestant like you know 552 and being asked a word I forgot the word itself. I just knew I messed it up, but it really clear it, it cleared my intentions that I wanted nothing to do with writing in English from a really early age. And it focused me and put me in a direction like, you know, the STEM field saying that this is clearly meant for me because everything else just will not work. All right. I I mean, I have a similar story too where I did uh the geography be in like my middle school and mm-hmm. I'm going to be real with you. I was like the Potomac River away from making it to like a state level and like uh-huh. going pretty far and I was pissed about that cuz the question was asked is uh, what was like something regarding what's like the bay by the Chesapeake Bay in mm-hmm. DC and I'm like I can't I just don't know the river name and it's funny cuz I was just in DC like <laughs> a, a year like a, within like a, a year ago and I was like I should know this like I was just there and it just was that's the thing that uh lives in my most mar- of my mind rent free. <laughs> no, yeah, those are the memories that I don't know. I don't know why I even remember that. It was such I was really pissed off at that that day too cuz like you know you screwed it up and it's still it's it's like burned into my brain it's like can't forget that. Absolutely. It's that uh mama mentality. Of course. <laughs> so kind of now we talked about the mama mentality that's of like your business itself but one hypothetical thing is with startups there's always that uh goal in mind that you're going to be successful whether it's going to be helping solve a problem or even even going further and actually creating a scaling company ipoing exiting mm-hmm. so once you reach a certain important milestone how would you theoretically celebrate 
I celebrate in the sense, like the way I set up milestones is more of like, is can I accomplish a mission in mind? I really try leaning away from like all the monetary values. Like, you know, can I exit? Can I get the money back? All that aspect. It's more of a mission in mind. And I think that's, what's really driving me to like, you know, get stuff done, go to the next level and stuff there. So if I do accomplish my mission, whether it's, you know, uh, getting a fundraise done or hiring a new team member, I think the best way to celebrate is just mentally knowing that I accomplished something that a lot of people couldn't. And it could be, you know, taking, I wouldn't say a night off with the team. It might just be like, you know, congratulating the team, telling them, you know, good stuff, showing them progress and being able to view what I've done. I think viewing, especially viewing my growth from that aspect is one of the biggest and best, like, you know, I think, um, what can I say? Uh, forms of, uh, you know, gratitude, I can say. And I know there's another, I think there's some call, there's some type of treadmill. Like it's a phil philosoph in philosophy, they say that there's like a harmonic treadmill that if you keep running on it, you'll never be happy. I think every time you celebrate, I think that's a good time to step off that, you know, theoretical treadmill, view back, like, you know, how much you've run, what you've run. And that's just a really nice way to like, you know, congratulate yourself saying that not many people can do this. You were able to, you were able to do this. You're like, you know, top 1% that does this. And now time to hop back on that treadmill and see what you can do next. Well, here, so you wouldn't even put on like a special song. You wouldn't like, you wouldn't hop on discord with the boys and do a late night gaming session. I, I don't know. When it comes to gaming, I never understood why, but I was the odd one out in the sense that, you know, high school, the guys, the boys would be, you know, on Fortnite and like, you know, 2 a.m. And I just did not take the fun in that. So I was more, I was more of an in-person sports guy. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll say that. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh -huh. I know for me, the, the, the 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Uh, I, I don't play Fortnite, but like all the other games, like yeah. I would hop on with the boys, iconic memories. But I mean, uh -huh. honestly, I see that with like being, uh, especially the PT, being actively physically, mm -hmm. definitely is a little more active than I was at that age. So mm -hmm. that's fair. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's more, I mean, luckily all my friends are all, at this point, they're all fitness, like, you know, freaks at this point. Like I know one, he did, he was really small, like physically. I was like, I think I was like five, 10, and he was like five, three or five, four. Right now he's a, literally a gorilla, I'd say almost. He's built, he's jacked and, he surpassed my abilities much further than I could have. He uses smart MS3 to train, probably. It's of course. <laughs> no, yeah, he's, he's, oh, I mean, it's a crazy head steam girl, like, in that aspect. So, as a fitness freak, what is your go-to, let's say, quick five workout? Like, you have five exercises mm -hmm. you'll do. What would you do? So, I think you can get, because I do, I try my best in calisthenics now. I don't even try doing weights anymore. And you can get a very, very strong workout doing push-ups, squats, and uh, pull-ups. Those three, you can do different grips with them, different, at least for push-ups, different, um, uh, the width of your push-ups. Like if you do wider, more chest, closer, triceps, and squats, you can do split squats, all this kind of like varieties, of, like variations of them. I do them, I can do them for like, you know, 15 or 20 minutes and like, you know, high intervals that would get a good workout in if you, if you can do that 20 minutes a day. So it's, I'd say it's much less time spent and a lot more gained back from there, which is something I just love about those type of exercises. Sure thing. I'm a big cardio guy. So like I, I used to hate cardio. I live, mm -hmm. breathe, drink cardio. Gotcha. Sleep no. cardio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then wrapping things up, 
anyone who's listening to this, what can they do to help you out? I think, yeah, right now we're at the stage, we're fundraising for an angel, you can say a seed or angel round right now. And one thing is just connections to be made. That's always a helping hand, getting some warm intros in that aspect of it. And other stuff is just, you know, we're testing our products in a lot of places right now. So we're working with uh, IV Rehab. Uh, one of our advisors, director of clinical outcomes there. So he's getting our products out in that sense, but it never hurts, you know, test consumer tests, do consumer testing a bit earlier just to get an idea how that would work, especially when it comes to, you know, telehealth features and aspect that I think a lot of people are looking forward to. So they don't have to make their 30, you know, 30 minute commute to the office, PT office, wait another 20 minutes, you know, getting their appointment ready and then exercising. It can all just be done at home, less pay, no copay, maybe, and all that stuff. So definitely warm interest to, you know, angel groups, those investing areas, or people that just want to try the product out, just reach out and we'll try figuring something out for a demo. Sure thing. And I can also link down like your email or like a good, mm -hmm. or even your Calendly just to set up a meeting that works for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll, let you, I'll give that to you for sure. Perfect. Look down below in the description, reach out to Akash if you want to talk about smart, smart MS3, learn more about the product, or even just uh, learn. I'm going to put this out there, learn more about his workout regime. <laughs> For sure. Well, really appreciate it, man, coming on, discussing through your journey, talking through what exactly you're building with smart MS3, as well as answering these untraditional questions and sharing your insights on the state of New Jersey and other uh, fun activities. No, yeah, it's happy to be here and, you know, talk a bit more about that. Absolutely. Well, have a good rest of your day and uh, keep it easy. Keep it real. For sure. So likewise. Thanks again for tuning into the episode. I really appreciate it. I hope you all learned something really important and can use this information today to help better yourself and achieve your life goals. If you don't mind, would you be willing to either leave a rating on this episode, share this episode with a friend who may be interested, or always interact with us on our social media to make sure we can help better improve ourselves. And remember, keep grinding, hustling, and making the most of the cards dealt to you.